Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. A new year. If you're anything like me, I love New Year's Day. I don't know what it is. I think it's, well, I think it's really the bigger idea. The bigger idea is that like there is a clean slate of a year. Like the last year is gone and I've got new dreams, new hopes, new aspirations, new goals. Once we, for some reason, turn the calendar, the old calendar gets thrown out, December 31st is gone, New Year's Day. It's like this rebirth of this fresh new beginning that's starting. What is going to happen in this new year? You know, there's also a little bit of fear when we think about the new year because we don't know what the new year's gonna bring on the hardship side is either. You know what I mean? Like there's expectations, there's joy, there's, you know, we have these hopes and dreams, but at the same time, what, what if this year's a real clunker? I mean, if we look back in 2019, right? New Year's Day or New Year's Eve 2019, we're super excited. New Year 2020 flips. I'm like, this is our year. We're going to own it. We're going to go after it. And then 2020, of course, good dumpster fire. I mean, everything got flipped upside down. All of our lives were changed. I mean, wow. <laughs> if we could go back in time, you know, 2019, like just stop the clock right? There is no New Year's Day. We're just going to sit in this one Groundhog Day style, right? And just repeat it would be better than what so many of us went through in the year 2020. But for whatever happened during that time, I think one of the things that was the most rocking as we went into that year was that normalcy just got just blown apart, it seems, because that began kind of a cascade even to where we are now. Think about it. After we go through that, then we got to go through an election year and our country is just split. People are split. Um, it just seems like there's so much anger. There's so much hatred. Social media is just being used and it's so divisive and it seems all this negativity is surrounding us all of the time. Well, let's, let's just not even stop there because after that, now we have inflation and now this inflation is blowing prices up to a ridiculous amount. I cannot believe how much I spent on shredded iceberg lettuce to make some tacos at home. I'm like, what in the world is this insanity? What has happened? It's crazy, right? Everything's just gone out of control. So our wages didn't go up, but inflation has gone up. And let's not stop there because with there's inflation, there's a war in the Ukraine, there's illness that seems to be surrounding us all of the time. It feels at times like our lives are spiraling out of control. At least it looks like it. And New Year's, there's this anticipation of maybe this is our year, that this is going to end. And I know in a lot of ways, it's just something mentally right for us. I mean, what does it really mean to flip a calendar? I, I get that. That's not, that's not what I'm saying, but there's hope. There's hope that when I talk about a year, that I could say, 2023, oh my word, it was one of the best years of my life. But we've gone through 
a lot. I personally have gone through a lot. Because all of this that happens in years, it seems like depression is just everywhere and anxiety. The word anxiety, I never really even knew much about, you know, for a long time, but now it's like on everybody's lips that we're just so anxious about everything. I'm anxious about everything. And personally for me, 2022 has been one of the most challenging years of my life. I'm so happy that today's New Year's Day. Uh, I have been looking for, I've been counting down the weeks and the days to just get out of this year. I just want to flip the calendar. I just want to breathe again. Have you ever used that term? I just want to breathe. I just need to breathe. Anxiety feels at times like we're in the middle of an ocean and there are no life rafts and waves upon waves keep crashing in. And those waves that are crashing in on us, as they're crashing, it feels like we're being pulled under the water. As we're being pulled under water, we kick as hard as we can to get to the top, to take a breath. And this last year for me, and maybe, I don't know what it was like for you, maybe it was a great year for you, but you can relate to what I'm saying at some point, right? It feels like as soon as you get up, another wave comes. I just need to breathe. That's what it feels like. And so for 2023, we have all these hopes. I have hopes. I have aspirations. And so I thought, what a better way for us to kick off this year together as the Mosaic family is to pause for a second and ask God for what this year is going to bring. Let's ask together for something huge. We are going to ask God, can we in this year have peace? Can we have peace? in our lives. It seems, at least in my story, and maybe you can relate, that peace seems to be just fleeting over the last course of years. It seems like peace is something I talk about and I can never ever find. It seems, peace seems to be gone and anxiety and stress and depression and pain is like just welling in over me. And so I look to a calendar to say, maybe this is the year that it's gone. And so what we're gonna do is we're not going to look at it in the terms of a year. We're going to ask God to bring peace in our lives, but it's not about a year and it's not about New Year's Day. It's actually the beauty that we find inside of his word. So we're going to dig into this passage and we're going to do something a little different that we haven't done before. Uh, for New Year's Day, we're going to have a sermon uh, split into two parts. We're going to be looking at the book of Philippians, uh, we're going to be Philippians, and we are going to split it, myself and Pastor Nick, into two portions because there's two beautiful, beautiful portions here in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And what's beautiful about this passage, we're going to see two really big thoughts. And Pastor Nick and I are going to share our, our, our thoughts on uh, one, and then he's going to share one on the second half of the passage. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps with you right now, we're going to look again Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and I'll be taking the first verses 4 through 7. Check, let's read this together. Check this out. This is the uh, author Paul writing. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul writes this, these, these verses, and he's telling us to rejoice in everything and in all circumstances, and we are to always rejoice. So in another words, Paul is telling us to choose joy. In all circumstances, choose joy. What's absolutely fascinating about this passage is the author, Paul, is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and Paul's in jail. So Paul has been wrongfully uh, put in jail for multiple things. Uh, he has gone through so much because he is a missionary out spreading the gospel and starting these churches. And so here he is, he's jailed again. And while he's in there, he's writing a bunch of letters to these churches that he had started. So this church in Philippi, he's writing to them and he's writing in jail, wrongfully accused once again. And he says, you know what guys, I'm telling you in everything you do, rejoice in the Lord always, always. You're never supposed to stop rejoicing in the Lord. And he says, I'm going to say it again, because maybe to catch it the first time, rejoice in the Lord always again. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not my first response. My first response to pain is to turn inside. Uh, my first response is not to choose joy. Um, I have great joy when I'm surrounded by friends and family. Uh, I have great joy with the Mosaic family. I have great joy when things are going well. I have great joy on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Um, man, I love, I don't know if you guys are shrimp eaters, but my New Year's Day, I crush shrimp. I love it. So New Year's Day, like there's this celebration and there's this joy and there's a, an outflowing because I'm not going through something difficult. But when I'm going through something difficult, the word of God says I'm supposed to choose joy. So how in the world are you supposed to choose joy? In the middle of pain, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of the ocean, when you're drowning, choose joy? This is such a fascinating thought, but it is life-changing. So I really hope that you're listening and really paying attention because this, this is life-changing because I found this verse and I found this years ago. And I, I'm gonna, again, I'm always, I'm a working project, uh, working project just like you. Uh, God's always working on me. And I have found moments in the darkness that I can find, I say, I just choose joy. Something, it's one of my quotes. If you know me, you may have heard me say it, I choose joy. And it comes from this passage because this is what it's doing. He is telling us to change our perspective. Change our perspective. He's not, it seems almost like he's saying like, just be fake and put on a big Christian smile and just be happy. And you know, like even though like your family's going through some tough stuff, hey, go to church, wear your good church clothes, smile, let everybody think you're okay. But he is not saying that at all. He is actually changing us to have a perspective shift, to change our perspective. I heard somebody say this once, and I love this way of thinking. It's been very influential in my life. It says this, happiness is an emotion. 
And we all know emotions, right? Up, down, left, right. Emotions are all over the place. Emotions uh, are depending on the weather, especially when it's so dark outside. And even though I'm taking as much vitamin D as I can, it's dark. And I just emotionally, I just don't like dark days. I'm a sun guy, right? I love sun. And so emotions can move depending on weather, depending on light and darkness, depending on circumstance. Joy is a choice. Let me say that again, because this is super, super, super life-changing in a way to help change your perspective. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a choice. I can choose joy. Think about it. This past week, maybe you're with some people, you're opening gifts, um, your emotions as you're opening these gifts, the expectations of being there. When you were younger, like my joy was really just happiness. I, my happiness was up and down, up and down. I opened one gift, can elicit such an emotional response. If it was that gift I circled 17 times on my wish list, uh, I could have this huge response when I was younger. Now that I'm older, I go into the day not about gifts or about presents and cookies and those things are all wonderful and I love the celebration of Christmas and coming into New Year's celebration with friends and playing games and eating lots of shrimp. <laughs> it's, not, it's not about that. It's joy because I choose to be in this moment and find joy in it regardless of what's happening. It's not circumstantial, it's my perspective. That even when things are hard or good, I'm looking I'm finding things to find joy in. It's crazy because when I was younger, an emotional response at Christmas time when I got a pair of socks would be low. I would have no emotional response. I'd be a little like meh, especially if it was one of those trick presents, you know, where you put stuff in that clanks, especially with clothes and stuff. So if you guys do that, um, you know, my, my parents did that to me and I do that to my kids, so I feel you. But, you know, there's an emotional response. You're super excited. You think it's gonna be something. You open up a pair of socks and emotionally you're just like, ugh. Now as an adult, you give me a pair of socks. I'm like, that is so sweet. I wanted socks so bad, especially I'm a runner. Like one of the greatest things you give runners are a new pair of awesome socks, right? So I, I get excited by socks. It's such a wonderful gift for me now. But the same thing elicits different responses because it's emotions. But isn't it true that we enter into our circumstances more emotionally than we do with choosing joy? There are emotional responses when people or you're in a circumstance or something happens where it's hard and we are emotionally going up and down through something which creates a great amount and huge amount of, here's our word, anxiety. So Paul starts this passage and says this, I want you all to rejoice. Choose joy. Choose joy in the Lord. Even when there's nothing left, Jesus Christ came to save you and love you. The God of the universe loves you. Find joy. Choose joy. But he goes on in the passage, verse 6, because now this leads into why he's setting this up. Verse 6 says this, here's, here's our anxiety, our, our, our tension, our fear, our nervousness, our stress. He says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving. There's that heart again. Do you see the heart that's here? Choosing joy. You're choosing to be thankful in this terrible situation that you're in. You don't have to worry about it. Choose joy. So with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, there's our word, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That literally our perspective shift away from our situation and we turn our perspective to God and to Christ and to the gospel and what God has done for us changes us. It changes anxiety. It changes fear. Because what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? There's nothing to be afraid of when we have an eternal perspective. So our anxiety and our anxiousness, he says this, take your prayers to the one who can be a part of it and let all of your words go towards him. And he says this, with thanksgiving, talk to God. So your perspective of joy you take this anxiety and you say, God, I've got to talk to you about this. Look, you have done so much for me. You are amazing. You have given us everything. But God, this big thing, this boulder, this ocean is swallowing me. There's something I cannot get. I need you. God, can you be with me? But you are great. I trust you. And even though I hate this situation, which I've said many times in my prayers, I hate this situation. I love you and I trust you because you are a good God. And I don't have to be worried about this. God, can you handle it for us? Amen. What a crazy transition and what a crazy way to rethink. But it's not crazy. It's how God has set it up for us. Think about this. We get to talk to him and we get to come before him. But when our perspective is on the things that are here, instead of the things that are eternal, we're always gonna be afraid because you know why? We're not in control. If I'm honest about what causes me the most anxiety, it's the things that I know for absolute fact are out of my control. It, it terrifies me. Whatever it is, my future, finances, relationships, I mean, you name them. Things that we're anxious about all the time. These are the things that cause me the most anxiety because they're out of control. But the God of the universe says, what are you worried about? What I'm really worried about is I'm not gonna get what I want. That's probably the even bigger thing. Like, I want it to go a certain way, and it's probably not gonna happen, or it may not happen, and that scares me. Fills me full of anxiety. It's not what I thought it would be. This isn't the life I thought I would have. And so anxiety fills me. Friends, I hear you today. I'm not, hopefully you hear what I'm saying. If you are going through a time struggle and anxiety and this year was like mine and friends I'm preaching to you from my story of 2022 it was it was rough for me I'm not making light of this I'm giving you the hope that I have that got me through a year that looks at 2023 and said it's another year no matter what happens I trust my master I trust my shepherd I trust my king I trust my God I'm asking him though Will you bring me peace? 
Would you bring peace, God? And what I'm really asking is that would you bring me, Lord, a time of rest? But that is a prayer in and of itself. The answer for how I live it out is given to me right here in the Word. Don't be anxious. Change your perspective. Talk to your Father in heaven and be thankful knowing that God's in control of all things. I choose joy. This comes from a very clear place, though, and I don't know if you saw this inside this passage. You need to have an intimate relationship with the Lord God to find this. This is not a religious thing. This isn't come and confess. This is not, you know, do these seven things and you'll feel better. This isn't a get better soon. This isn't lose 10 pounds, like all those things we hear at New Year's Day, like the quick fixes. This, my friends, is about changing your life through your relationship with Christ. And so for 2023, the greatest thing that you can do in 2023 is to look at the intimacy with the relationship you have with Jesus right now and say, can you cast all your fears and doubts on him? Can you change your perspective because you fully trust that he's got you? That even though the answers are in your life or 2023 may not be what you like, you trust him because he's good. No matter what. No matter what. That's tough. Friends, this is the day and the time to start. Start the journey of building your intimacy with Jesus so that this comes here. We are here to walk with you through that. Our discipleship pathway, what we're doing discipleship, this is why we do that, is to build and grow you so that your faith walk, that your life is built on the solid rock of Christ so that when winds come, storms come, everything comes, you stand firm and your faith will not be shaken. If your perspective is on what's here, you're gonna get rocked, it's gonna crumble, it's gonna fall. If your perspective is choosing joy through all things, friends, you can change the world. You can change your life. So I say to you again, choose joy. In those verses, you may know the very famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. If you've ever sung that hymn before, know the words of it. It talks about no matter what, everything I've gone through, no matter how hard it is, it is well. It's okay with my soul. That's what it looks like in the midst of a new year, a life, when we've got this new start to choose joy. The human mind is an incredible feat of biological engineering. For example, did you know that the average human being has 10,000 separate thoughts on a given day? As you're watching me this morning, you've probably, probably already had 2,000 thoughts alone in this morning, and you'll probably have another 8,000 thoughts before you lay your head down to bed tonight. In one year's time, that means that you'll have approximately 3.5 million thoughts. And if you live to be the ripe old age of 75, that means you'll have in the neighborhood of somewhere between 26 million thoughts in your life. Now that's a lot of thinking. 
And if, as the saying goes, somebody were to actually give you a penny for every one of those thoughts, you would accumulate enough pennies in 75 years to fill up almost 700 five-gallon buckets of pennies. How do I know that? I'm not that smart. It's the internet. The point is that human beings think a lot, like a lot, a lot. We're thinking all the times. Our minds are a never-ceasing factory that are constantly producing an endless supply chain of thought after thought after thought. And even when we go to bed at night, our minds continue to churn in the form of our dreams and even our nightmares. And with the mind being so powerful a machine, it's no wonder that the Bible has much to say about our thoughts. More specifically, the Bible makes clear two important facets about human thought. First, that much of who we are as individuals, specifically in our behaviors and actions, is a result of the thoughts that are rolling through our heads. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, King Solomon said uh, this, speaking to that very idea that, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. And again, in Proverbs 4.23, Solomon exhorts us to watch over our thoughts with diligence as it's our thoughts that end up flowing into the springs of life. And even Jesus himself taught his followers to practice mindful thinking, as he said that it's the individual's thinking that ultimately has the ability to pollute our actions. Clearly, the Bible builds this undeniable link between both our thoughts and our actions. But second, the Bible also makes clear that we have the power to control each of those 10,000 thoughts per day. For example, in 2 Corinthians 10.5, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, as Christ followers, we neither play the role of the victim to our thoughts, and nor are we powerless to shape and mold each of those thoughts. And what's more, the Apostle Paul makes clear that as believers, we are actually commanded to grab hold of each one of those 10,000 thoughts and forcibly re redirect and reshape any that are not in the shape and mind of our Savior Jesus. And this is exactly what Paul is prescribing to his readers in Philippians chapter 4 when he writes this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me everything that you heard and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Paul says that we find peace when we focus on joy. We find peace when we focus on joy. And Paul's words remind me of the acronym G-I-G-O. In other words, garbage in, garbage out. 
when our 10,000 thoughts a day are dominated by thoughts of jealousy, of anger, of lust, of our own insecurities, it's only natural that our lives are going to reflect or reproduce actions and behaviors that are in alignment with those thoughts. However, when we abide by the apostles' words in Philippians, when we fix our thoughts and minds on joy, our lives will be full of peace. And Paul just doesn't say that this is any kind of peace. He says specifically that this is actually the peace of God. And earlier in the book of Philippians, he actually says that this peace of God that we receive from our Heavenly Father is a peace that transcends all understanding, human understanding. It's peace unlike anything that we can find anywhere else in this earth. And so the obvious question becomes then, how exactly do we focus on joy in order to better experience the peace of God in our lives this year? For some of us, the thought of taking control of maybe just one or two of those thoughts, let alone 10,000, seems like an insurmountable task in today's day and age. After all, we live in a society that is very used to and it's normal to kind of turn off our brains and just mindlessly consume information as we scroll through our social media feeds, as we look at different news websites or just surf through television channels. That is the norm and not the exception. And so then how do we push back against this socially ingrained behaviors to, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of our minds? As I'm sure is going to be the most obvious statement of the day, I'm not a psychologist and I don't try to play one on TV either. But personally speaking, I liken controlling my thoughts to focusing and focusing on joy to Legos. Yes, those little plastic bricks that nobody wants to step on in the dark, Legos. That's what I'm talking about. And the truth is, is that I absolutely loved Legos as a kid. And if given the chance as an adult, I would still play with Legos every day and twice on Sunday. In fact, it just blew my mind as a child and even now as an adult to see the incredible things that people were able to create with Legos. When I was a kid, I would try and build mostly Star Wars spaceships. Go figure, right? However, if I was to take one single Lego brick by itself, it's relatively small and seems insignificant compared to the larger pieces and things that you can build with Legos. However, when I take that brick and start to add more and more and more bricks upon it, it's only then that that seemingly insignificant brick begins to take on a different shape and form and can really become something truly awesome. Likewise, taking control of a single thought, choosing to focus on joy once, can seem rather small and even insignificant in the moment. However, when we start to grow and become more adept at taking control of just one single thought and begin to add another thought on top of it and another thought on top of that and another thought on top of that, it's our thoughts can grow into actions. 
Our actions can become behaviors. Our behaviors can become character. Our character can become the peace of God. As you can see, the more and more we begin to uh, control our thoughts and our actions, the more and more we begin to feel and be enveloped by the peace of God in our lives. And so for you, and for many who are probably watching this morning, if the thought of just taking one thought under control and focusing on joy seems insignificant, start there. Start today by just asking Jesus to give you the power and the peace to focus on joy at just one thought or circumstance. And as you begin to become more adept, as you begin to control those thoughts and begin to focus on joy and the rhythms of life, ask Jesus to help you with two. Ask Jesus then to help you with three. And as you begin to build out those thoughts more and more in a pattern and a lifestyle, you're going to find that you develop something truly amazing. You'll be able to build an incredible Star Wars spaceship. I mean, the peace of God in your life. Our thoughts do determine our actions. We have the power in Christ Jesus to control those thoughts. And when we use our thoughts to focus on joy, our lives will reflect the peace of God, as the Apostle Paul said, regardless of the circumstance, whether we find ourselves in prison or anywhere else in life. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.